on scripture. In conversation are Reverend Omar Ortiz and Joseph Terry. Good to have you back on the show, Reverend Ortiz. How are you feeling today? Feeling great. Uh, wonderful to be back. And great to be here. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna tackle this question of the relationship between philosophy and theology. Historically, the church has—I guess it would be right to say—it has adopted a, uh, to some degree, a friendly relationship between the two, except for Tertullian and the um, in the patristic era all the way up to the Reformation where Luther uh, saw it as problematic if it's not held appropriately in tension with what the gospel says and the presuppositions of the gospel. So let's just start with your, I guess, initial reflections or thoughts on philosophy and its, its dynamic relationship <laughs> with the gospel. Um, Amen. Start there. And I, I had not thought about that <clears throat> That uh, episode between uh, Martin Luther and and, mm -hmm. and the scholastic theologians uh, of his time, and I think you're absolutely right. The one of the first things he did was to um, demolish uh, the the whole of scholastic theology. I think I think that um, just a a, a surface uh, revisiting of, of why he did that might be fruitful for mm -hmm. for for today. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting that by the time uh, philosophy um, is is um, it crowns the 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 theological efforts um, during the era, um, you know, philosophy had or rather theology had become just highly. Predicated, particularly as as you know much better than I do, on uh, Aristotelian logic, mm -hmm. and I think that that what's interesting about that and what's important to to highlight about that is that Aristotle, as you know, you know, mm -hmm. he, there there is a there there is a <clears throat> a a continuing line uh, logic line of logic between um, a creature and creator. Right, and so that by the time we arrive at God, God is you know the the unmoved mover, and right. and and so what's interesting about that is that that in and of itself absolutely obliterates the the uh, canonical the biblical distinction that that the difference between God and creature is not a difference of degree, but a different difference of kind. So that, for instance, if I were to say God is more powerful than Omar because Omar can barely lift 25-pound dumbbells and God can lift a million-pound dumbbell, you know, that, as impressive as that might be, that still keeps God in the anthropomorphic um, 
equation. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, there is no radical break in, in the line from creature to, to creator. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's really, really huge. And then, and then what happens with that is that, you know, in, increasingly so, um, because Aristotle is, uh, is, is now diving into, you know, from, from physics to metaphysics and whatnot, and then by the time this morphs into the uh, further theological uh, uh, minds, Leading up to Luther, then then God becomes amply predicated on the metaphysical attributes, and and all of that begins to um, uh, uh, cites that what is in fact the great uh, scandal of the biblical revelation of God, which mm-hmm. is extremely complicated and definitely not in any way, shape, or form as easy as making anthropomorphic extensions from. Um, our reality to God's reality, mm-hmm. and so the whole thing being predicated on on the problem because it's really a problem that if we are to know anything about God whatsoever, uh, God in God's own self will have to both reveal and provide the means for revelation because we couldn't even do that. Now, <clears throat> now this is this is this is very interesting right. uh, because then already the implication is that. That that said, there's just no way we can think, say, um, inquire on, on anything divine save by way of the means of the human tongue. I mean, even because even if we, if God were to speak to us as He has in any other tongue, there is no comprehension on our part. Right. Right. So that means that 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 as true as it is that, that God is God and, and we are not gods and we, we are you know, creaturehood, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, there, there has to be not just a, a role for philosophy, as it is way more radical than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, without philosophy, you cannot, um, um, you cannot um, uh, launch onto sayability because, uh, because because by philosophy, broadly speaking, then we, we mean uh, the human, all to human, um, on all its fronts. And, and I just want to end that by saying something very, very peculiar. And that is that every time we open the Bible, what is physically before us is very thin and frail paper, these little black letters and these words that are to our comprehension. Mm-hmm. And, and so already I have in mind you know, what Luther is going to forcefully table, which is the Christological reality, which then, again, crowns not just the things of God by way of the full divinity of the Son, but also the things of man by way of the full humanity. So, so when I think of theology and philosophy, I am thinking of, uh, of uh, maybe not twin brothers or twin sisters, but I am thinking of, uh, of a necessary sibling. Can philosophy on its own, outside of the direct revelation of God, in the, according to your own estimate, can it grant us knowledge about God? That's a fascinating question. It's, it's an old, right? It's so, it's so many an, have wrestled with it. It's an important question. Right. It really is. Because right. look, look let, let's say that, that we go full throttle heads, absolutely yeah. not. 
you know, um, got, you know, the things of man have nothing to do, and there is no attaining unto God via God and God alone. And and I, you know, we all say that, and and mm-hmm. and we have we don't we don't, we need more time to flesh that out. Right. But here's what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking that the church has definitely been blessed by Anselm, who provided the great um, formula, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, when he um, stated that that there needs to be a distinction made. Are we, um, um, do we understand in order to believe or do we believe in order to understand? Mm-hmm. Right. Let's say, for example, that as, as we have in the past, no, mm-hmm. we must believe in order mm-hmm. to understand. Yeah. Which is, which is, I still maintain, is very, <clears throat> very true. But there is, there is a reductionism there, and and very few people. I, I I'm shocked that very few people um, say it. The reductionism being that when we say that that faith, um, that we must believe first in order to understand, that we are saying what Anselm is saying that that it is faith seeking understanding that's very interesting hmm. because then then that that logic is not linear lineal as much as it is uh, a circle a circle meaning that we must believe in order to understand but precisely because of that we understand in order to believe hmm. and and um, and let's let's provide a, a very very surface uh, example sure. of that we you know and we've said this here this program before we, we come you know we are arrested by the by the thus saith the Lord, and and there is something very similar in our souls and psyches as the inbreaking of revelation, and we call that the conversion experience. And there are who knows how many revolutions happening subjectively, and and we understand that that begins to reorient us into a different modality of seeing that now springboards from the spirit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that said, I find it very amazing that every theologian worth its salt spoke very quickly thereafter about the intellectual ascent. That the revolution of the Holy Spirit in the mind, in the psychic of a human being, um, goes the way of, uh, of uh, classifications, the way of categorizations, the way of nomenclature, the way of ways of seeing, the way of philosophizing, mm-hmm. philosophizing, uh, some type of uh, linguistic code that will um, uh, further what uh, initially and very much intuitively is nameless. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let's say that the the holy and and I'm I'm about to I'm about. Uh, uh, this is amazing to me because yes. think of Paul. Paul is on his way to Damascus. Was it Damascus that he was going to? Yes. All right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was on his way to Damascus. What happens to Paul? Paul gets shocked by this light event, hmm. right? And, and before he says anything, it is Paul who is named. Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Now, very interesting. Just because Paul is already in the thick of the light of Christ event, he doesn't know who that is. So he says, who are you, my Lord? And then there is Jesus doing self-predication. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now that there, you know, it may not be, you know, uh, in the first movement, but that there is among other perhaps superior things, a theological event. Because the, the, the intuitive 
arrest happens but then the predication needs to follow and that is already an intellectual assent right now now it's no coincidence that what paul is going to do therein and thereafter is reunite all of all of the former comprehensions in this in this totalizing critique that is now under this uh nomenclature that did not norm his thinking before and then to that i want to add something else very quickly and that is that though i we all know is in philosophy you know um how do i say this philosophy philosophy's uh bread and butter is is you know the, the the conundrums of 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 um of uh of a creative thought and, and, and research and, and this kind of thing. And there is, there is much there by way of, of speculation. And then, and then the great minds, depending on the temper of the, of, the in, of the intellect, will be more prone to a research-based philosophy, others to a more creative approach, imagination-based philosophy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm very, uh, I'm very taken by the fact that, that that um, speculating also um, on the side of faith once the inbreak happens is as much an act of worship provided that it springs from what is in fact not speculation but revelation so you know it's a li- it's a little it's a little detail but but for the likes of us who love to live in our minds and to think god i mean you know, how vast are your thoughts, O God, writes the psalmist. Now, when we think about all these things, you know, there is, you cannot, if you are arrested by something that is in set, infinite, uh, you will kind of be hard hit with the, fact, with the fact that this infinite movement is phenomenologically uh, prehended in this finite mind. Right. And that there is a is the probably the most uh, ex, uh, effective catalyst for letting the mind run creatively from what is in fact uh, a, a pre-given revelation um, in in Christ, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, so these are just some very surface, very general thoughts, but sketches. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I, I find them, I find them fruitful. Hmm. Classical philosophers uh, would 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 call philosophy um, etymologically love of wisdom. Mm-hmm. In the Gospel of John, we see the logos becomes flesh mm-hmm. and is identified as God, the mm-hmm. second person of the blessed Trinity. Is Justin Martyr correct mm-hmm. in light of your estimate? And Clement of Alexandria and Origen and whatnot are they correct? when they say the Christian is the true philosopher, in as far as the Christian has, by way of the revelation of God, arresting the human being, fall in love with wisdom. Listen, you, you can't ask me that question, brother, because I, that's a done deal for me. You know, the answer is, you know, an emphatic yes, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, but of course, I understand that, that it, is a, it is a very serious question. And I think right. that from a... Uh, uh, from a scientific perspective, one of the things that I that always comes to mind when I think of the question is the uh, uh, relation of others 
Um, so let's say, for example, that I were to study an orange. And let's say that in order to study the orange, I, uh, I become minuscule and I actually go inside the orange. And so that all of my assessments and all of my readings and all of my studies and all of my experimentations with the orange happens from within. Yeah. And then let's say I exit the orange and I say, okay, here's, here's an orange. And I say everything that an orange is, et cetera, et cetera. It's, that's something very, very, um, um, very, very true to the to the process of uh, scientific research in terms of isolating an object and and you know doing a right. kind of like a monolithic, incisive, uh, um, um, uh, in-depth study and assessment of of the entity uh, uh, selected. Now, what's interesting about that is that I could go. To, through all of that, not for a moment um, uh, uh, becoming conscientious of the differentiation between the orange itself and the one doing the assessment who's not an orange. <laughs> so that means that the, the element of the epistemic reality, the, the element of how knowledge is drawn that an orange may be understood as such and predicated properly requires not just the orange because the orange unfortunately cannot say itself. I mean, if you, if you want to get a little bit right. fancy and right. creative, you can say, well, you know, that depends, etc. And I understand yes. that too. And I actually agree with it. But what, what, what I'm trying to point out is that there is an, there is a relationship of, 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 of others uh, so that it's not just the orange, but the orange next to and with so, some an entity that is so qualitatively, radically other than the orange, the two of whom will then say something which is a third, uh, a third a reality, i.e. being the epistemic um, findings, that then we can say orange is X, Y, and C. So that's one thing, right? right? The other thing is that that this this reality of relationships of others can also be viewed in the sense of well, if I'm going to understand an orange, I could also do it by way of of differentiating it from an apple. So you have now uh, di differ differentiated entities, you know, um, that uh, between the between which we can. Uh, say and find predications of the one uh, in contradistinction with the other. Now, all, all of this, all of this, of course, lets us, uh, takes us into, you know, reminds us of, of, of many things by way of the, for example, the, the doctrine of creation and, and, and the, 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 you know, the whole setup of, of the, uh, the, the, the relations within differentiated relations, et cetera, et cetera. So then um, I'm, I'm saying that all that to say that I believe that a, philo a Christian um, can be, and I say can because I, we are, we are uh, respecting and honoring the great sacrifices by way of the researches and the hard toil that studies on both fronts, theology and philosophy entail and all that. But I am saying that because a Christian, and this is the main point, because the believer, right, is coming to the here and now of assessment in terms of being uh, before all of the given entities of that, that regulate 
everyday human phenomenology from a place that is not the concert arresting and informing and populating human phenomenology for that very reason. In other words, for the reasons of radical transcendence, a Christian philosopher, a, theo a Christian theologian rather, or just a Christian can arrive at thinking from a place qualitatively other than, than the place itself. And that is the greatest context of uh, differentiated relations that I can think of, right? So if you want to talk about knowing anything from outside of itself, the human being is so wired by spiritual constitution uh, that we can uh, that we can sit with a philosophic and, and engage a philosophical assessment from a place outside philosophy. Hmm. Now, let me just give a little bit of a, a, a very, a very sketchy example. You know, something kind of similar happens in the arts, for example, hmm. where you are, and I'm very fascinated by this, you are launching into the search of an image if you're artistic expression is painting, for example, right. not from the starting point of research, not from the starting point even of know-how, hmm. not just knowing, not even from the starting point of know-how, but from the starting point of hunches, imaginations, feelings, things that are necessarily immediate to consciousness. Right. Not, a, not the best example, we understand that, but I, I find it very telling that Mind you, we're not yet talking about the things of God. We're, th we're talking about the sphere of the human all to human that already includes such differentiated relations within a person's own tripartiteness. Yes. yes. That, you, that the arriving, the arrival rather, at the true image or at the composition that will say your hunt correctly is not predicated on something pre-given in terms of know-how, in terms of uh, awareness, in terms even of consciousness. Right. Right? It's more of an, it's more of an intu intuition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So then, so then, you know, the, you know, no, no, no. And then I, I, I love that example all the more because every time I read philosophers, they seem to be quite impressed with artists, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, um, and, you know, so I, I feel that, that in terms of the, an expansive, um, expansive, uh, infinite nature of spirit. Hmm. Um, there is something as mysterious as mind that is onto it. Right. Now, mind, mind is gonna have great difficulties and, and limitations, obviously, and even contradictions along the way, but I just wanna say that the mind's hunch of the spirit as infinite is right on. And that with this hunch, uh, um, the cradle of creativity and imagination opens the field and creates highways for knowing yet to come. And so I, I would love to see a time and a day when philosophy will become awakened again from, say, the slumbers of postmodernism and will, again, revisit, for example, the old school philosophies of transcendence and the old school philosophies of metaphysics and will begin to explore again. Um, with this, uh, this wonderful mystery of, of acute uh, uh, differentiated entities in the act of knowing and, um, and will once again give us a, a thought systems that are 
not as presumptuous as they became uh, after a point when it seems to me that the act of knowing became unnecessarily reduced to the act of logic, for example, et cetera, et cetera. philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, uh, so then all that to say um, that 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 at some point philosophy does become embarrassed of wisdom. Hmm. You know, uh, hmm. it becomes enamored, tantalized um, with the specter of conclusive knowing. Hmm. And, and even when the philosopher, uh, someone as brilliant as Kant, for example, will probe into the, 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 the walls involving even metaphysics itself, don't disclaim metaphysics because you've seen the walls in metaphysics. Hmm. Hmm. You see what I mean? Hmm. So then, mind you how far we've come from, say, philosophy that, that at one point was seriously honoring and invested in learning how to live this life. Mm. You know, so for that now we'll have to maybe say a little bit about Jewish philosophy as opposed to Greek philosophy, but we're not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. Suffice to say that, <laughs> that, you know, we don't, you know, you know, Professor Terry, I tell you, none of us humans, hu hu human beings are a mess and none of us need to work at getting lost. We are naturally lost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, the you know, philosophy was a, a humble servant once. Right. It really was. Uh, when did it become an unruly master? Uh, I don't know. Um, but it did. It, it did. Um, we pray for the day. We pray for the day when we can reclaim the humility of mind and, and become smarter for doing so. Um, God knows that particularly cognitively speaking and, and uh, intellectually speaking, uh, precisely when we, f when we count ourselves as having uh, arrived. Um, perhaps then, perhaps then we are really at a loss. And I'd like to end this uh, little portion by, by quoting the very last paragraph from the great um, Mexican poet um, Orlando uh, Octavio Paz uh, rather and, and he, he writes you know modern man likes to pretend that his thinking is wide awake but this wide awake thinking has led us into uh, the mazes of a nightmare in which the torture chambers are endlessly repeated in the mirrors of reason and then he writes when we awake Perhaps we will realize that we have been dreaming with our eyes open. They're a very interesting metaphor. And that the dreams of reason can no longer be tolerated. And perhaps then we will begin to dream once more with our eyes closed.
find me on Instagram and Twitter at BK Theologian. On Facebook, Joseph Terry. And you can reach me by email at josephterry at gmail.com. You can also check out my blog, www.bktheologian.wordpress.com. See you there. As we draw this uh, uh, show to a close, um, Reverend Omar, you spoke of philosophy being rebellious. Is it true that philosophy, in as far as it is uh, intrinsically connected to the human condition, it, it's, its natural default will be rebellion? because the the human creature is rebellious and if that is the case then what does philosophy look like post the crucifixion burial and resurrection of our lord jesus christ what does philosophy look like after the christian revelation and living in the stream of grace Mm -hmm. the time of grace Mm -hmm. Thoughts. And many, many things come to mind. Um, I, again, I, I think I remember Luther, who I, I believe was the first ever to refer to reason as whore reason, hmm. prostitute reason, hmm. um, because it belongs to reason as such to to understand itself amidst multiple lovers. Um, reason. Um, especially as giving given us in the more modern postmodern traditions it cannot but be a question and and it, it not only a question but 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 such a question and such temper and such um leaning of orientation that 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 no um uh, that that no one answer can claim, say, totality or uh, uh, comprehensive sayability. Mm. Um, so in that sense, r- reason knows itself always in suspense, um, always um, in some form of anxiety or other. Um, now, in all fairness, we, ne- we do need to say, we do need to say that the way reality is crafted by God, no less, theologians are known to say, and philosophers, that reality, the problem with reality, one of the great, great conundrums of both re- of philosophy and, and theology, is that it's always one step ahead of us. Mm. And so it seems to be kind of in some type of mystery veiled or other and then you see you see you can see why you have these philosophic proposals for example say materialism and others that will want to just take the veil off and and do a type of of claim to totalize knowing on the side of of whatever some school of thought or some you know whatever so yeah yeah. that that makes sense you know i understand that um, now the, the the rebellious uh the rebellious animus here has to do uh interestingly enough professor with 
with our dismissing of mystery altogether, right? Uh, because with mystery dismissed, out goes the symbols that mystery is accessed, for example. And then what we're given is a reality that is, say, sandwiched or encapsulated in some sort of systemic order through and through so that its alpha and its omega is not the unknown, but, but and not even the, the known in the context of revelation or anything like that, but rather the known in the context of the craftsmanship of mind. Now, this is very this is very interesting you know because we listen to Paul in in the Corinthians where is the philosopher where is the scholar where is the man of letters of this world has not God made you know mm -hmm. a fool of, of them etc mm -hmm. etc et right mm -hmm. and then crucifixion then is it becomes the, the great philosophical uh, context not just spiritual not just theological but for Paul philosophy in the sense of crucifixion now that that is a weird image it's very very weird because <laughs> the, because the cross itself disrupts yeah. the flow and logic of philosophy yeah. it, it, it is antithetical yeah. to philosophical thought yeah so how then can it <laughs> it's wild there you so, know so let, let's say a little bit about that because this is um you know, it's not, not only important is is where is where the Christian faith is predicated. You have yes. you have no cross. You have no Christianity. It's simple right, as that. Right. But let's say let's say let's see what's happening here. But part of what happens is that at the cross, right? The firstly the old school presumptions of knowing what divinity is is being shattered, right? Should this crucified be son of God? Brace yourself. You know, divinity has just been become arrested in some way that is not a little scandalous, right? Because now death has entered God, even though we're not saying that the Godhead dies, right. but but my goodness, you know, need we go that far? I mean, I mean, what does it mean that the second person of the Trinity died? It seems to me sufficient, sufficiently scandalous to say that there is death in God. It's like that is a complete obliteration of the old school theology of impossibility. Right, right. All right, so then let's, so that's just divinity. That's just divinity. Boom, right? Let's, let's talk humanity, mm. because humanity at the cross is crucified humanity. Is humanity in the, at the zenith of some uh, a crossroad of suffering, mm -hmm. right? I'm mm -hmm. not sure that we can go beyond that in terms of of a humanity that is that is um, in the throes of suffering. And the reason why I say that is because of this. Uh, to the extent that at the cross we have crucified humanity, it is a specter of, of horror that it has been humanity that has crucified itself. Mm. <laughs> right? Um, mm. And now, now, we say that to say that, that Jesus is crucified by men, right? Mm -hmm. Because we remember that before that, the, the act of crucifixion is prefaced, obviously, when, when Jesus is brought to the Praetorium by Pilate, you know, and there are the very famous words taken by Frederick Nietzsche later, behold, you know, esse homo, behold the man. Yeah. 
And humanity has, I, I've always felt, and, and later on in my studies, Professor Joseph, I, this was a revolutionary thing for me. Humanity belongs to the expect, to the to the messianic expectation, mm-hmm. because humanity is by default historical humanity. Mm-hmm. We, we just mm-hmm. we just don't we can't be anything other than that. And mm-hmm. humanity and history um, is only history if it awaits. Um, consummation from a place and a person or some type of event from outside of history, right? So then that means that humanity has been operating and moving and living and having its being in the orientation and expectation and very pressing anxieties of divinity unbeknownst to humanity, right? Therefore, the rise of the not just the, the revelation religions, but also the, the mythical religions before that, it, it, it has everything to do with the divinity pulse that woos humanity into its complete anthropology, not just matter, not just earth, not just the known, but also the heavenly, also the spiritual, also the unknown as part of the constitution of self. Yes. So then, so then at the cross, we have a great mystery. And that is that on the one hand, God seems to be in love with humanity at the point, to the point of risking God, to the point of losing self. Hmm. Right? On the other hand, uh, humanity is so rebellious that it will, it will only have admissibility for God should God present God in the, in the expectation of the glorified humanity, by which humanity means a non-human or transhuman or suprahuman, let's just call it what it is, a non-human human. So we're, we're talking about contradictions here. Yeah. And then, and then we have God saying loudly in Christ, "No, that's not the design. The design is, the design is, God and man, hmm. you know, God and humanity." And so, and what does that remind us of? It reminds us of the, how this whole problem begins in Genesis. Forget humanity. Be like God. Abandon the whole thing. This is all the whole logic yeah, of the serpent. Yeah. Okay. So all that to say, the following. Um, in at the crossed crucible, then philosophy is is um, confronted with something that is not philosophical. In other words, something that is um, spiritual through and through, and that will limit uh, the creature to all things creaturehood, and that will perforce this creature to understand its transcendent orientation by way of something other than knowing, by way of belief. And, and And now the rebellion surfaces, right, that that who said to God that he had the right to hide, <laughs> right? So, so should God be given us nakedly? I guarantee you we would have no problems with it because then that knowledge of God would be conclusive. Hmm. But mind you, it's very interesting because anyway, we can go on and on and on. Sure. The, the, the point is that, that um, philosophy has a hunch about its own limitations, but because at some point it did away with its limitations, I am not surprised that postmodern philosophy may be something close to a process of festering, where philosophy locked in in the letters of man without, 
relational recourse to something other than itself begins to fester in itself. Yeah. By the way, the same thing happens to theology, by the way. Right. Is it the case that philosophy put Jesus on the cross? Um, um, by, by way of the, the human, all to human, divorced and in, 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 in the throes of God enmity? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because that's an amazing image, given that Jesus is the, the Logos, yeah. the Word, yeah. and the reason transcendent and humanity rejecting that. You know, that's a, I didn't even think of that. You know, well, it's, say it's, more about that. Yeah, it's, just like a, it's sort of a, a recapitulation of humanity rejecting God through and through from the beginning to the end. Humanity silencing the word of God, humanity saying no to the logic of God, mm -hmm. the reason of God, precisely because it cannot grasp that, it cannot totalize that, it mm -hmm. cannot comprehend it, it cannot digest mm -hmm. it, and so it rejects it. Mm -hmm. It comes to us, God comes to us in weak flesh, mm -hmm. honoring our humanity, mm -hmm. fulfilling it, and we don't want it. Mm -hmm. And so we, we go with the modern mm -hmm. impulse mm -hmm. uh, of, of transcendence on our terms. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and something that that reminds me of is that when you say logos, it's very, very beautiful, actually, very poetic. Mm -hmm. Because when you say logos, you're saying word that prefaces word known right you know what i mean you're right. saying you're saying word that is that comes to us already self-predicated mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> you know what i mean that's right that's right so then part of the rebellious uh uh tilting here is that that we we become possessed of arrogance you know how how, how dare you how dare you say that that my knowing cannot be authoritative like that so that knowing mm -hmm. proper is predicated on me not on you mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. now notice what is what is the thing what is the major accusation that is leading christ to the cross the question of authority who gave you this authority right. He's, right. he's talking vertically right uh, we're saying vertically, vertical, the vertical is not the horizontal, the traditional, the, 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 that's where we predicate, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very... Oh, and, then, and, then it, and, and that if it is the vertical, it's going to come on our terms. Yeah. The, you got to fulfill this criteria, <laughs> you know, miracle A through C, and then you need to jump through five other hoops, you know? So, as, a matter, as a matter of fact, which, 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 which interestingly enough, is not vertical at all. <laughs> right, right. Well, if it's on our yeah, terms, yeah, yeah. It, right? It, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because I like that. I like that question. Is it, is it vertical at all? I mean, sometimes I feel, and I, I, I confess I do this all the time, you know, just because I'm a rebel, just because I need Christ, just because I am in the throes of death and evil and sin, whether I feel it, know it or not, I need Christ. You know, anyway, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about this yeah. on, on another, another show. Yeah, another show. <laughs> but I, I, you know, sometimes I, what I'm thinking is vertical is actually, you know, uh, a repositioning of the horizontal according to my terms <laughs> you know what i mean right, that's right. it's me it's me upside down for example mm. or so, something like that it's mm. just some crazy visual but which, I, which is peter in the oh end. that's very interesting that's which very interesting peter in the end that's very interesting that merits don't don't say peter man because <laughs> peter is uh, wow. such a such an enormous figure you know yeah. and, 
and his sufferings were amazing and he right. he proved that he loved the lord and that's that's mm-hmm. what it's all about mm-hmm. but i wanted to say that when we think of the um um the great um deconstructor of metaphysics immanuel kant you know is very interesting that part of the part of the abuse on metaphysics and the the slaying of metaphysics is this intuitive rebellion that the, the above the vertical um cannot break from itself so that it becomes um 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 on represented almost by cognition by the philosophies by any act of knowing so that in essence um, we will perhaps even admit of metaphysics minus revelation minus revelation because revelation then implies that metaphysics is not a continuum unto god that there is a qualitative break from the other side of which, if the continuum will <laughs> be constituted, it'll have to be constituted not by us, not by the act of knowing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So again, you know, we're, we're saying, man, if it's not along the lines of of um, of the significations of reasonableness. Um, we gonna disclaim ourselves from it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that'll be probably one of the more sophisticated ways for us to slay it. Mm. Now, 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 you wanna you wanna go ahead and do that, Omar? Go ahead and do that. But I guarantee you that the end of that will be God pushed past the horizons of revelation. And when we push God wow. past the horizons of revelation, we are saying that revelation is superfluous. And we claim therein and thereafter an arrival in ourselves, for ourselves, to the end of self, thus saith not God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. And, and so I wonder, mm. and I, I just want to add this piece that several, about a year was it ago, a year ago, a year and a half, two years ago? I can't remember my... Mm-hmm. My horizontal chronological mind is a mess. <laughs> but I, I sat at Union Theological Seminary with and with a group of rabbis from the city. And, and one of the rabbis said that, that Sunday prior to that, I believe it was a Tuesday, uh, rabbis in the city of New York met for a day of prayer and, mm. and a, an emergency meeting. Mm. And that they had called this emergency meeting because they had to reckon with the question of whatever happened with the manifestation of the power of God on earth. This is these are mm. rabbis. Mm. <laughs> these are these are not Pentecostals. These are rabbis, right? Right. And I sat there like a fly on a wall, you know, and I I, I was I, I wept in my heart, you know, because the rabbi the leading rabbi said that the conclusion at the end of that meeting was that the the problematic the scandalous absence of the power of god particularly in modern humanity has everything to do with humanity itself humanity of age come come of age that is itself having pushed god past the human horizon Hmm. so so we don't want any 
um, dealings with God, you know, we certainly can care less for his nearness. We can even, we, we can care less, obviously, for his far awayness. So what is God to do? This is a very, very sad time in humanity. What is God to do? You know, and, and how many times in history have we been here? Uh, but unfortunately, the, the human, you know, the human creature is rebellious pre-consciously. And by the time we are awakened, the demise is here. Father, have mercy on us. Amen.